How can we not surrender to you, Jesus? It's in you that we live and move and have our very being. Your breath is in our lungs. That's why we love to praise you. That's why we trust your will and rely on your strength. You died so that we could live. We come this morning to honor you and to praise you and to grow up in you so that we can present you to a world that needs you desperately. Thank you for that. Praise you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. All righty. So I always love the story of St. Arthur that uh, Cam Huxford told years ago. Uh, a young fellow that lived in a small village that was trying to find God, desperately trying to seek God and couldn't find him anywhere. So he went to the town village uh, elders and some of the religious leaders, and he told them, I'm on a quest to find God. And they said, well, here's the best way to do that. Climb to the top of the mountain. There's a guru at the top of the mountain, and he can help you find God. So he made his way to the top of the mountain, St. Arthur did. And when he got there, he found the guru sitting in, uh, beside this beautiful lake. And so he went up and sat down next to him, and no one spoke for about 10 minutes. And finally, he looked at me and said, sir, I am desperately trying to find God in my life, and I'm not having any luck. And I was told by the village elders that if I found you, maybe you could help me find God. Could you please help me? And he grabbed him by the scuff of the neck and shoved his head down in the water. And he was drowning him. I mean, St. Arthur couldn't. He was a strong guru, and he could. He was trying and trying to get out of the way. And just at about the time where he thought he was going to, lungs were going to explode, the guru pulled him out of the water. So he's sitting there gasping and coughing and trying to catch his breath. And after a few minutes, he looked up at the guru with this, like, are you crazy look in his eyes? And he said, sir, why did you do that? And the guru finally spoke. He said, son, when you want to find God as much as you wanted that last breath, that's when you will. I've always loved that. And I just think that's what the Scripture says. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. We've been talking recently, family, about you and I as Christians and how you and I can live in a world that's gone crazy and actually do it the way God wants us to, boldly, with compassion of Christ, shining in a dark world. We've been talking about that. In fact, last week, we read the scripture from Jesus where he said, you're, you're the light of the world. Shine your lights in this dark universe. And, and we got to talking about that, and we were reminded last week that we're living in a world right now that has no hope. Some of the people you work with, go to school with, live next door to, no hope at all. And then we remembered, we are the hope of the world through Jesus Christ as we shine his light in the communities around us. It's good stuff. So we're working on that as a church, and we want to be all in just like St. Arthur. And, and so one of the best ways to do that is just follow the example of Jesus Christ and do the things that he did. And I want to talk about one of those things this morning, something that Jesus did on a very consistent basis in his life uh, that we should be doing too. And it's something you hear a lot about in church. You've heard me talk a lot about it. And, and the good news is, it's uh, not rocket science. I'm a simple man. I never talk that deep anyway. This is very simple stuff. Here's what I want to talk to you about this morning, family. I want to talk to you about reading the Bible. I want to talk to you about memorizing the Scripture. I want to talk to you about meditating on His Word. I want to talk to you about living out the Word of God, which is living and active and sharp and a double-edged sword, can cut all the way to the bone and transform us and cause us to be light shining in a dark universe and the hope of the world like we're supposed to be. And here's the real good news. This is easy. 
It's easy for us as Christians to read the Bible and to study the Bible and to meditate on the Bible and to read the Bible. It's very easy. Am I right? But we're not doing it, are we? It'd be my guess in a crowd this big that there's probably some people in this room that didn't pick a Bible up last week. See what I mean? I mean, this is something we're going to have to pray about. It's something we're going to have to decide. It's something that has to become a discipline, and we need to do it in our lives because the world needs it today. It's pretty simple. We just got to know the truth, and we got to get in it. Now, um, there's a reason why every time you decide this is something you need to do, something resists. I mean, you know what I mean? Well, Jim Cain just said something wise, and he doesn't say that very often, so I'm going to pay attention. I really do need to read my Bible. You know what I mean? I'm going to get that Bible app that you can read through the Bible in a year. I'm going to get started right now. Is it just me, or every time you try to decide to do something like that, something gets in your way, and you just can't get it done? Do you know why that is? Well, it's pretty simple. Somebody out there doesn't want you to know the, the authority and the power and the truth that belongs to you because you're the light of the world and the hope of the world. And his name's Satan. And he snatches the word from us before we can ever get it. I'm sick of it. Jesus talks about it in Mark chapter 4, verse 15. He says some people are like uh, the seed that's thrown on the path. As soon as the seed's thrown out there, the the enemy comes and snatches it up. And and that's what's happened to some of us. We we don't have the word in here. We can't get to it. And I'm challenging us as a family. we got to get back in the word, man. There's a battle going on, and we need to be in the Word of God. We went to uh, Yellowstone National Park several years ago, and I remember telling you about it at the time because it was just amazing. And uh, it was one of the best vacations we ever took. And I, I told you at the time we took the mothers. We, they go with us everywhere. I took my mom and Angie's mom. In fact, I remember telling you we took the old geezers to see the geyser. You know, we had a lot of fun with that thing. And we, so many beautiful things out west. But one of the things I remember in Yellowstone uh, State Park is there were signs up everywhere that said, Please don't feed the bears. Everywhere you went, please don't feed the bears. In fact, some of them said, don't feed the bears. Now, why in the world would they have signs up everywhere that said, please don't feed the bears? Well, because people are feeding the bears, duh. But why would they care? Why Are they just stingy? They don't want the bears to have any fun? What's the deal? Well, we talked to a ranger about it, and the truth is this. Every winter, the rangers go through the national parks and pick up the dead bodies of bears that have lost the capacity to feed themselves. It's tragic. And something like that's going on in the church these days that's equally tragic. And that is we have strong Christian people who are dying on the vine spiritually or at the very least getting spiritually flabby and out of shape because they've lost the ability to feed themselves on the Word of God. And we have to change that family. We need to get back into the Word of God on a regular basis. So I'm going to tell you some things. I'm going to remind you of some things very simply this morning to get your juices flowing again in that direction. Here's the first one. We just need to read the Bible on a consistent basis. On a consistent basis. Just start reading it. I mean, it's that simple. Do you remember when you, when you were dating? It's not been too long ago for you guys, but, you know, you're dating along and you're sending each other cards and letters. You remember we used to get those? Did you ever get one that was really juicy? When you got a juicy letter, did you read it more than once? Yeah, you did, didn't you? Look at you. You're laughing. It's good. I got some cards that Angie sent me. I still have when we were dating, and some of them are really juicy. I mean, you'd read them, and you'd say, that shy little Angie wrote that? Well, she was chasing me. But anyway, I mean, they were, but these juicy letters I got from her, man, I read them over and over and over and over again. 
Can I remind you, family, that the God of the universe, the creator of everything you know and see, has written everybody in here a juicy, juicy, juicy love letter. And if you want to grow up in him, you've got to read the letter. And if you want to shine like stars in the universe, you've got to read the letter. And if you want to become the hope of the world, you've got to read the letter. So you find a regular time every day, and you say, this is the time every day I'm going to read the Word of God. And find a readable translation. I said translation, not paraphrase, big difference. But there's all kinds of readable translations. I talked to a couple in this church just six months ago that were having trouble reading the Bible. They were still into King James. And I remember telling them then, if King James were alive today, I'm convinced he'd be reading the NIV. You find a readable translation, and you read it, and as you read it, expect to hear God speak to you. Because I'm telling you, he speaks powerfully from the Word. I can't tell you how many times in my morning devotions where you ask a question or you're contemplating something, and you open up the Bible, and it's almost like he's answered it. Some of you are shaking. You know what I'm talking about. So you read the Word. Now, I'm going to suggest five or ten minutes to begin with so you don't get burnt out. Some of you are already reading 40, 50, an hour a day. Good for you. Keep it up. But let's be honest. A lot of us in here, a lot of us in here go days and days at a time without even picking the Bible up. No wonder we're weak. I promise it'll be a powerful blessing in your life. So you start this week and say, I'm going to reserve five, ten minutes every day to feed on the Word of God. Charles Spurgeon says that a Bible falling apart is normally owned by somebody who isn't. That's the way it is. So read the Word. Number two, read the Word thoughtfully. Uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 30 says that you should love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Use your mind on this thing, you know. That means you don't just uh, read a verse and then go read this verse, and then you read this one and you don't understand it, so you observe the Passover, and you just pass over that, and you go to the next one. No, you study the thing. You study. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, study to show yourself approved, a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, who rightly divides the word of truth. I'm going to tell you something. Satan, one of his best things to do, one of his favorite things to do is to get people to take the word of God out of context. And we all do it. You know what I'm talking about? You find something in the Bible that proves your point. Uh, this is true. Let me show you what the Bible says. I'll give you a crazy uh, illustration. This happened years ago that I actually had a guy tell me one time, well, the Bible says, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. So that's the way I'm living. It, doesn't the Bible say that? Yeah, it does. In the book of Ecclesiastes. But if you read the context, <laughs> Solomon's trying to find the meaning of life. And he tries all of these different ways to try to find a meaning of life. He said, I even tried this, which is really stupid. I tried, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. And it was crazy. But see, if you just take that out... So be careful with the Word of God. Rick actually says that a Scripture text out of context is just a con. And he's right. So you get a commentary, you get a Bible dictionary, and you sit down and you say, I don't know, this month I'm going to study the book of Luke all month long. And you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to read the introduction. I'm going to find out who wrote it, who he wrote it to. I'm going to find out when he wrote it. I'm going to find out why he wrote it. I'm going to find out what it meant to those people. Jim Cain said, go get a couple of commentaries and he, he suggested Warren Wiersbe and Barclay. You don't believe everything they say, but you read that because that moves you and gets you to seeing what the Scripture actually is pointing to and talking to. And then you study. Or maybe you say, you know, this month I'm going to study grace. So you go over to 
uh, Jim Kane's office and you get, I got a strong concordance uh, uh, every time the word grace comes up in the Bible and you write all those down and then you put my concordance back where you got it and then you study the word of God to show yourself approved. Listen, this is a sharp double-edged sword we're talking about. You want to be careful with it. It's sharp, powerful stuff. And then thirdly, as you eat from the Word this week, you bless your meal with prayer or meditate before. You, you pray before you, you read. It's so important. Now, this is an old story I've told two or three times, but it just fits. And I'm going to tell it again, hoping two or three people haven't heard it. Guy's out hunting one time, sees this bear coming at him. And he panics and drops his rifle and starts running. And the bear is getting almost up on him. And just about the time he thinks he's going to escape, he comes to a cliff. He's got nowhere to go, so he drops to his knees and prays, Lord, please let this be a Christian bear. And when he got up, the bear was on his knees praying too. Lord, please bless this food I'm about to partake. <laughs> ah, good. Somebody hadn't heard it, or at least they're being nice. Listen, don't treat the Bible like fast food. That's dangerous. Pray over it first. You know, I, I ask the Lord every time before I start reading the Bible, please, Jesus, through the mighty power of your name, would you cleanse me of evil, body, soul, mind, and spirit? Would you cleanse this room of evil and fill it with your Holy Spirit so I can understand what I'm reading? And please tell the enemy to back off. This is none of his business. I'm going to tell you, the, the enemy, he knows the Word of God better than anybody in here by a bunch. And so you pray and ask the Lord to help you study it help you get this, to protect you as you read it. And then after you've done that, savor it. Just think about it all day long. The psalmist says in chapter 1, verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Just savor it. Like a Thanksgiving dinner. You know how you do that? You just stuff yourself, and then you go sit down in the chair in the living room to watch football or something, you just say, oh my goodness, that was yummy. Those yams were so good. You know, some of you say yams. And I, the turkey was amazing. Oh my goodness, that was so good. God says, do that with my word. Read it in the morning and then just think about, savor the promises that you read. Think about the warnings that I gave. Think about the encouragement that you got. Think about the rebuke I gave you. He meditated on it all day. And, and by the way, when you do that, you'll want more. Back to the Thanksgiving dinner analogy. You know, you stuff yourself and you, you, you think, man, I'm so full. I, I'm not, I'm not going to eat again for two days. Where are you at in an hour? You're back picking on the turkey, seeing, getting a piece of pie, hoping there's some rolls left and some fruit salad. It would be the same thing with the Word of God. You get in there and eat that, taste how good it is, savor that, and you'll want more and more and more, which is naturally leads to number four. You need to get it in your heart memorize it. So, you, so when you don't have the Bible with you, it's still deep inside of you. And some of you can do that. I know. I've heard some of you in here. Some of you can recite entire episodes of Andy Griffith, Friends. You know, my kids, they watch a movie once or twice, and they can tell you everything's going to happen and quote most of it. And we do the same thing. We get in a car, even as old as some of us are getting. I don't know why I'm looking at you, Kathy. But, you know, we get in a car... And we drive down the road and we turn on the oldies and we hear a song we've not heard for 15 years and we sing every word of it. Man, don't you think we ought to be able to do that with the Word of God? Proverbs 7, 2 and 3, God says, My son, keep my words, store up my commands, bind them on your fingers, write them in the tablets of your heart. Get them in here. Let them in here. In fact, let me ask you honestly, if your heart was a tablet, if your heart was a notebook 
and we opened that thing up this morning and started reading what was written on the pages, what would we see? It's an important question because Jesus said it's out of the heart that a man speaks. Out of the heart that comes evil thoughts and all of those things. What are you putting in there? I remember uh, reading one time about a sergeant in the army who was, his job was to uh, train uh, recruits on artillery. And it was back in the 1950s and he was stationed at Fort Sill and he said there was nothing more frustrating to teach these kids on artillery because nobody cared. Nobody paid any attention. Nobody took any notes. Trying to keep them awake was, he said it was frustrating. But he signed up for another stint. And in the 60s, he was teaching that class again. The same place, the same forum, the same class. And he said this time, they were listening. Paying attention, taking notes, hanging on every word. And he said, you know what the difference was? The difference was this group knew that within six months, they were going to be shipped off to Vietnam to fight. And his point is, when you're in a war, and you know there's a real enemy out there, oh, you'll study to show yourself approved. Family, I'm going to remind you of something in case you've forgotten or didn't know it. But the spiritual cold war in this country is over. It's been over a long time. We are in a real, intense, heated battle between good and evil, and it's not going away anytime soon. In fact, it's ramping up. And you and I are the soldiers that God's using to fight this battle. And we better have some ammunition. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is the one piece of armor that we use for offense. And so one good example I want to give you is you find some passages this week that speak to the specific temptation that you're fighting. You know what it is. You, you find a scripture that speaks to the specific temptation that you know your kids are fighting or your grandkids are fighting. And you put that to memory. You put it in your heart. And when the temptation comes, you speak those words out loud from the heart of God. You cannot imagine the difference that will make. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the words of the Lord dwell in your heart richly. Powerful stuff. <laughs> and then finally, when you read from God's word, concentrate on the practical application of it. If you want to grow up in the Lord, you do what the Bible says. If you want to become the hope of the world and shine like stars in the universe, you do what the Bible says. Listen to me. Anybody can read the Bible, living it out. That makes the difference. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, Don't merely listen to the Word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law, the law that gives freedom, and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, that man will be blessed in all that he does. I mean, this is practical stuff, James is talking. This is not just sermon stuff. This is practical, everyday stuff. Listen, when you think about it, there's only two ways for you and I to see ourselves. We either see ourselves in a picture or we see ourselves in a mirror. Now, the thing about a picture is you can plan for that thing. You can pose for it. You, you can be all ready, and, and uh, man, they can airbrush it when they're done, fix all the mistakes. If you get a professional photographer, they can even make somebody like Melvin Williams look nice, and that's borderline miraculous right there. You know what I'm talking about? It's good stuff. But here's the deal. I doubt if anybody in here, when the alarm went off this morning, got up, went over to the nightstand, and picked up a picture of you at the prom and said, ooh, I'm looking fine. I'm going to go to church. That's not what you do. 
So you go to the bathroom, you flip on the light, and you look in the mirror. And some of you probably groaned. A few of you probably screamed. And you're thinking, oh, my goodness, i got a lot to do before I even walk out the door this morning. See, that's what James is talking about. That's the Word of God. It's the mirror. You look into it, and you see the things in your life that need to be adjusted and changed, and you do something about it. If you don't, that's as goofy as looking in the mirror and thinking, I'm not going to brush my hair. I'm not going to brush my teeth. I'm not going to put on any makeup. It's just practical stuff that he's talking about, James is. When uh, you taught your kids how to ride a bike, how did you do that? Did you get a book on how to ride a bike, or did you put them on a bike and let them go? When you taught your kids to swim, how did you do that? Did you read a book on swimming and strokes and all that stuff? Or did you put them in the pool and say, take off, here's how you do it? When you taught your kids how to wash their hair, how'd you do that? Did you call a big family meeting and you sit in a big circle and you say, today, kids, we're going to talk about the washing of the hair. Now, you see, kids, we really don't know where shampoo came from. We think some of the commentaries I read said it came from the early Babylonians. We don't know. But we do know the word consists of two Greek words, sham meaning clean and poo meaning icky, yucky stuff. So you put that together and it means clean, icky, yucky stuff. Now, let's all stand and sing about the washing of the hair. Is that what you did? No, you took them in, stuck their heads under the faucet, you clean, rinse, and repeat. And then you tell the kids, that's what it says to do on the bottle. Clean, rinse, and repeat. Hey, man, it's the same thing with the Word of God. You do what it says. And you try it again and again and again and again until you get it. So when we study the Word with, this week, ask some tough questions. Is there some sin that I read about in here that I need to confess? Is there some truth in here, some promise I need to profess? Is there just some good old praise I need to give the Lord? You do what it says. You apply it when you read it. It's powerful stuff. We don't want to let the enemy continue to rip us off. I mean, I'm sick of it. I'm so sure so are you. Okay, so I'm going to end this thing, but, and then we're going to come down here and celebrate the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ because I don't know about you, but this, this is my favorite part of the week, what's coming up here. This is it. But I want to close with this. I'm going to, I'm going to read some words from an old Amy Grant song. And some of you are going to remember it. And then I'm going to read a, a scripture text. And I promise you're not going to have any trouble getting the application from either one of these. The problem's going to be choosing and deciding which direction you want to go. And that's why we have the altar in 15 minutes for you to spend some time with the Spirit to do it. Okay, first the song. I know a man, maybe you know him too, You never can tell. He might even be you. He knelt at the altar. That's how it began. He saved, and that's all that matters to him. His spiritual tummy, it can't take too much. One day a week, he gets a spiritual lunch. On Sunday, he puts on a spiritual best. He gives his language a spiritual test. He's just a fat little baby. He wants his bottle, and he don't mean maybe. Oh, he's been baptized, sanctified, redeemed by the blood, but his daily devotions are stuck in the mud. He knows the books of the Bible in John 3, 16. He's got the biggest King James you've ever seen. I've always wondered if he'll grow up someday. He's mama's boy, and he likes it that way. If you happen to see him, tell him I said, he'll never grow if he never gets fed. He's just a fat, 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 fat. A fat, 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 fat. A fat, 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 fat fat little baby. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Instead, 
like newborn babies, you crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you can grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Isn't this a good time? Around the table, remembering the stuff that we did this week that we shouldn't have, stuff we're going to come up and leave, thank him for cleansing, ask him again maybe for the third or fourth time in a row for the power to stop it. Man, that's so powerful. That's why we sang Amazing Grace. It's also a time where we can ask the Holy Spirit to respond to whatever it is we've been learning from the Word. This morning it just happens to be all about the Word. And so I'm inviting you as you come and celebrate Jesus' body and blood. First of all, if you're not a Christian, please come and talk to me. I mean, this is it right here. And, and if you are, then just come up and be honest with him this morning. Talk to him about where you're at in terms of reading the Word. You're a soldier. Tell him you're ready to go, but you're going to need some help. You're going to need some help turning off the TV and maybe getting up 10 minutes earlier, staying up 10 minutes later. He'll give it to you. Maybe you need some help understanding the Word. Man, if you tell him, he will. I promise he will. The understanding will just come through the Spirit. And it might come from a book or somebody else or just right there spiritually, supernaturally. He works in so many different ways. Just be honest with him. Spend some time with him this morning.